This is Paul with Pod Clubhouse, and tonight I am with the dynamic duo that joined me on the first episode of the Westworld this season. I'm talking, of course, of the Geekdom fancast, Derek and Mike. Say hello, guys. Hey! Hi, this is Mike. That was Derek. <laughs> of, of course, Mike actually understands the smartness of what, how we should do this, and I'm just like, duh, hi, guys. <laughs> Mike equals smartness. When it comes to our podcast, yes, he's definitely the. There's a reason he's the one that handles all the uh, recording and technical aspects, and I just show up in in the voice box. Apparently, I can't retrieve an email properly, though. So <laughs> it takes a village. <laughs> so, what did you guys think of that episode? Well, we learned a lot. It was an action-packed episode, as this season has been. I feel bad for some of the characters. There's like a lot of times where I'm like, why do these two have to fight? I mean, not that they've clearly set up why they are fighting. That's been there from the beginning, but like, um, it's just a shame that I'm kind of, I'm kind of like torn between like, like, it it feel, I felt a lot like, um, like, uh, Marvel's Captain America Civil War. I was just like, Maven and Dolores don't need to fight, you know, like they just have like <laughs> right. the difference of ideals and stuff. And, uh, and it's also a shame that, uh, Aaron Paul or Caleb Nichols, his, his character, uh, it's a shame that he's being used again. He's just like perpetually being used. The last time I was on this podcast, I was like, I was also like bummed out that like he's just being used again in this other sh- great show. Um, after, you know, all the whole of Breaking Bad. But the episode itself, um, I, I, I thought it was neat. I thought uh, the blockbusterness of the last episode kind of overshadows it a little bit. In this episode, I kind of start. I'm, I'm really starting to feel like how much different the show is than it was when it started. It's not really like ponderous or like all about subtext and uh, as philosophical as it was, which is fine. It's it's fine for a show to evolve. It's it was just like very jarring how like action thriller this became with with the opening and the ending and they kind of put the sci-fi-ness um the the ponderous sci-fi-ness like uh, on the back burner so i wasn't like blown away by this episode in general but um i'm still along for the ride and i was highly entertained and i'm still like with the characters even though like it's a bummer uh there but there's there was some great moments um as far as just like an entertaining sci-fi action thriller I thought it was, it was almost like they needed some some really whiz bang action to balance out the parts where they just sat and explained shit to us for about ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, <straight. laughs> you know, all the stuff with the Solomon computer and and explaining Caleb's background. Some of that was done, you know, somewhat artfully with the flashbacks and all that kind of stuff. But it, at the end of the day, it did just come down to. This is what happened to you. <laughs> We're going to explain it right. in words. So, yeah, we needed to have someone get their arm blown off in order to kind of balance <laughs> balance all the talky-talky out. Yes. What do you think, Derek? I was happy to finally get his story. I thought there hasn't been a reason, but we've pretty much uh, – he's just been kind of along for the ride. And they just keep throwing those disturbing flashbacks and all the just bits and pieces at us. And, you know, considering we're getting towards the end, it's like, if you're going to keep teasing us with all this trauma he's been through, you got to explain it at some point. So I'm, I'm really glad we got his story. And I'm glad it wasn't anything what we've been shown, which is just the whole thing with like, oh, you know, he had a bad military thing and one of his friends got shot. It's like, OK, gee, that's not been done before. So I'm glad it was something completely different from that. The episode as a whole, though, I really enjoyed it in the sense of, like, they did that kind of thing where, like, with the exception of uh, Bernard's story, it's pretty much was just the Dolores Caleb story. And it was cool to, like, how much has happened in the last two episodes of the entire uh, uh, world, I guess you could say, storyline. It was cool to have something just a little more uh, centralized with just these couple characters for this one. Um, and then they can build up for the ending. But yeah, I, I like that we were able to now we've gotten all the characters full round stories and full explanations and origins and everything. So when we go into the final episode, it'll be we'll have all the information and all the character development pretty much that we need to uh, put it to a close. So, yeah, I liked it. Did you guys see the uh, the title of this one? Past Pawn? 
Yes, right. I did. Are any of you chess players? Uh, Not I'm, really. I mean, I know what the pawn is. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I, I understand uh, chess. I know how to play chess, but I, I don't play it actively. Well, I looked up this term. Ooh, can I guess? Go ahead. Um, is it when the pawn gets to the other side of the board and becomes another piece? Yeah, but it also has something to do with like nothing can stop him, like he's like because there's not another pawn in his way, and oh. so yeah, or not in the way, but I guess in the way that pawns take other guys, you know, like diagonal. Yeah. Um. So there's nothing either in front of him to block him or diagonally to to kill him, and he yeah he gets to the other side and he becomes another piece. So I think uh, you know maybe it's just because I'm a guy, I, I, but I, I think that, that applies to Caleb. But then all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, that probably applies to Dolores and Maeve to, <laughs> to an extent too. You guys uh, see it another way? Just maybe because I'm a guy too. But I you know I think you're right. It just it de- it definitely does seem like he went from a pawn to a king at the end, but then he's still kind of a pawn. What, what what's your thoughts behind it being Maver Dolores? Well, they've already had their kind of transformation, but they did go from the madam of a brothel and and uh Oh yeah. And what is it, what was it what was her rancher's daughter or whatever the, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um to to become who they are now, you know, like the big fat divergences on on the face of the planet. That's how I saw it their way. I didn't think of it before until now. Um what you're saying, it's very interesting because Caleb kind of becomes the main piece or gets upgraded, you could say, or whatever, because Bernard says that thing at the end where he was saying that Dolores has made him like the center of her plan or whatever, or made him the person that's going to make everything happen. He's like, she designed, he's like, oh, she designed it this way or she had this in mind the whole time. And then when they both collapse and he's still awake, and it's like, oh, so it's like maybe he is the integral part of everything happening. Well, she seems to think that he is kind of like the missing piece in this revolution, which is going to continue to feed people's opinions that she meant to find him, like, initially, you know? Uh-huh. I'm kind of on the, on the opinion that it seemed much more happenstance. Like, how could she even bet on that he'd be the guy to take the call to be in the, in the right area for when he found her? Just, I don't know, it, it didn't seem like she had enough insight that's not really a pun, into the situation for her to know that he'd be coming. But then all of a sudden he is super important. You know, he's one of the outliers. What do you, on that, do you guys think that she meant to find him or do you think she kind of lucked out when she found him? I feel like she lucked out, but maybe was kind of orchestrating herself in a way where someone on the, what's the name of the crime app? I just been, in my notes, I call it the app, you know. it's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, Grand Theft Auto meets Tinder, whatever that is. Right. I feel like she was kind of hoping that one of those people would come in and uh, she would be able to change whoever it would be and is maybe is lucking out on that. That kind of holds it together. Otherwise, it is just I don't see it as anything else other than just like pure coincidence. Yeah. Which can be, I guess, like apropos to the theme of like everything's on rails in the future and like this whole thing of like circumstances like the only thing out of control and but it was like perfect i don't don't know up until now and especially paul bringing this up i would have only thought it was by chance but considering it seems like he's such an important piece and like she needed him or she had a plan for him and stuff especially with what bernard says in this in the final minutes it seems like he almost had to be sought out and i'm wondering is it part of that whole thing where the computer's able to predict people's futures and stuff or like has everyone's lives mapped out or remember how she says how he has his life mapped out where because that's how she's able to convince him to help her so maybe she was able to map out their meeting well i like mike's idea that you know at some point perhaps she learned about these various uh, classifications you know including the outliers and I think Mike was suggesting that she knew she might run into one of them. <laughs> yeah. And it happened to be Caleb, but it could have been another one. But, I mean, it's really super lucky that it's him since he seems to be very foundational with the reconditioning part of it. Yeah, right. Yeah, what if it was Marshawn Lynch? <laughs> right, less less successful. Uh, <laughs> he didn't seem quite as uh, quite as motivated. <laughs> so that was a big reveal in the episode. 
you guys find that interesting the whole like uh the nature of what they're doing because i mean at the end of the day it seems just like analogous to like oh this is basically just what they were doing in the parks and it's kind of like a it's like poetically symmetrical to what the hosts had to go through but did it surprise you at all is it is it interesting to you guys at all like philosophically like what the riobem and solomon are, are doing i guess i didn't dive into the philosophical part of it i was looking for more like the story type connections and and uh for one it reminded me a lot of the matrix theme that has been running through the the season so far oh yeah especially with the room full of of people on ice at the end (laughs) oh yeah but another thing that it reminded me of was have you guys seen memento yes of course okay well, you know, Jonathan wrote it. Yeah, right. And so there's this element in there of being able to trust your memories and kind of just functioning off of parts of memories and thinking that that's, that's enough to go on and, and then kind of developing later a, a, a larger understanding of things once you, just, once you put all the different pieces together, how what you thought may not be what actually happened. It seems like Jonathan took that germ of an idea that he had for that movie and extrapolated it out to this whole season of, of, <laughs> of, of TV. Did, did it remind you of Memento at all? Yeah, it did, actually. I see influences in a lot of different sci-fi greats. Like um, last episode, there was the whole thing with Hector dying felt like the Matrix uh, when Cypher kills everyone while they're in the yeah. Matrix. Pulls their plugs. Yep, and then uh, there was elements of Terminator when Hale's like t- t- take unsuccessfully takes uh, Michael early and like tries to protect them as a as a robot, and then comes out of the fire. Well, that scene where she's leaving the riot robot behind, and she's having to kind of oh. drag her leg behind her. The Terminator does that walk in the first Terminator. He, he's, a, he's, he's like fully an exoskeleton at that point, but he does that exact walk chasing after Sarah Connor. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that was like the exact thing. So that that's definitely them wearing their influences on their sleeve, right? I think so. I mean, the, the camera works different and all, obviously it's different, but but just watch it. It's, it's, it's just the dead leg, con- but still completely determined walk. <laughs> it's very similar. Yeah, the memento thing, though, like now that you say it, it's like very obvious to me. I think I was hung up on a lot of those other ones. The, the surprising one I was hung up on was uh, in the beginning... Or like kind of these last two episodes have felt like, um, in a weird way, Rick and Morty. Like how the other Ricks, I've been going after Rick, especially with Charlotte Dolores going after Dolores Dolores. Mm. Um, it feels like when the Council of Ricks goes after right. Prime Rick in Rick and Morty. <laughs> the um, Citadel but, of Ricks, etc. Yeah, but yeah, now that you mentioned Memento, like yeah, that whole thing was about how like he's tricking himself to like change his past and stuff and how they were doing that to Caleb and... Um, it's kind of messed up. <laughs> I guess we should have known that the way that we were getting those little flashbacks from Caleb all along, I think those were our clues that he was being fed something, you know, uh-huh. information. He was. This, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of several years ago, I was involved in a small traffic accident, right, where I was uh, crossing over a street and a dude on the oncoming lane made a left turn right in front of me and I totally could not stop. It was wet. And I bashed right into the side of him. I had a green light, so it wasn't like I did anything wrong. He was in the wrong place, but he was sure that he had he had a green light when we got out and talked about it. And after about 10 minutes of Caroline working on him, uh, nah. <laughs> his, his memory all of a sudden sharpened up. <laughs> so yeah, memories can be manipulated by constant input. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and that's uh, that. I think that those those little flashbacks were our clue that that's what was happening to to him. He just couldn't even control it, uh, whether or not he saw those in his dreams or whatever. It was just because he was being bombarded with it. Yeah, that kind of ties into um, Ed Harris's whole subplot with um, Bernard and mm-hmm. uh, in the the Hemsworth bro about how <laughs> about his past and his ability to change things and like does it even matter how he got there like he he got there that was the whole that was that whole thing right yeah well that was last week struggling <laughs> in the in the group therapy session with the various versions of himself okay this is where i come clean and say i, I watched both of those episodes back to back right now to catch up for the podcast <laughs> 
That's, what? That's I fine. You didn't watch six? No, I was a little bit behind, and I, I caught up on both. It was fun. How did you not watch six? <laughs> I just did it until now. Mike, I'm the one that's a constant zombie and tired all the time. I want to hear your excuse. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a bunch of different things. Final Fantasy VII is a great game. No, was, okay, there we go. <laughs> there we go. See, that's all. Okay, that's all you had to say. Now it all makes sense. I <laughs> yeah, see so you, you, you've changed your Twitter name to to, to match your current interests. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I I watched I watched six yesterday, and then I, like I just you know told Paul, of course, I watched seven like two hours ago or whatever. So they're all fresh in your mind. Well, it's just because I've been trying all week to find time to watch six and it's just like every single day i'm just like oh i'm just like my brain's just like you know out of it or something it's like i, I just was never feeling sharp enough even yesterday i wasn't really feeling 100 percent. but i'm just like well i gotta do because i gotta be ready so uh, but thankfully it wasn't as much of a break your head episode as five was so it was a, it was a little easier to follow <laughs> but um it's just one of those things that i don't think i have this with almost any other show that i've watched in like the last five years like i have to be in such a mindset or like the per- perfect scenario to watch this show like i don't want to have to you know i don't want to be like okay i gotta be meet some friends in an hour for dinner or like i don't want to be like oh um, i'm gonna go to sleep in an hour and a half so i'll just do this to wind down like no i don't want any of that dude it's like i want to be completely alert and perfect to watch this because i've watched it before you know in the previous seasons maybe here or there i've watched an episode sleepy or drowsy or something and just like it's always horrible and i have to watch it again the next day so it's like it's almost ridiculous to have to be perfect to watch a tv show but for this one i think you have to yeah you gotta be on your toes toes that's for sure but since these two things these two episodes are right in the front of your brains maybe you can help me sort this out you know in the end of last week's episode we see Hale all charred up and spit out of her car I didn't see that coming at all. That the whole car blowing up was. I thought maybe yeah. someone was gonna like hit her or like pull out in front of her, but like the blow up and then both of them. It's like, well, both those characters are gone now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, there's sort of a, a line that's crossed when a show decides to kill a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And they hadn't <laughs> before. <laughs> I mean, a real kid. I mean, people had shot robot kids before, but but uh, right. Not not a real kid, and so since they hadn't done it, it seems. Uh, highly unexpected that they would at, at that point yeah um besides flashbacks like there were never any like kids at the park right that were just, you know like, hanging out like disneyland. i don't think so i mean like, like disneyland <laughs> well, maybe like it's a like t- uh terrible taking, place for a kid well it's like maybe it's like uh you don't take your kids to like fancy restaurants right because it's it, it's too expensive and it's a complete waste <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly oh, so. yeah like the only children we really get referred to are the is like Maeve's daughter right yeah yeah well i want to talk about that do you guys have any opinion on Maeve's drive here i mean she she in the first season she she went back into the park for the daughter thing she spent the second season looking for the daughter and then finding a way to set her free into the kind of the matrixy heaven of of robots and uh, this season, so she she's trying to make sure that nothing screws that up, right? But really, when the two women are, are battling and, and they both kind of representing what they represent, doesn't the robot with that says that she has a daughter, doesn't that, I don't know, something about that to me feels like she's smarter than this. She knows she doesn't have a daughter per se you know when she meant to went to go meet the daughter last season she didn't even recognize her so like none of that is for real i don't know did did, did any of that throw any of you guys yeah Maeve's motivation in general just seems like an excuse yeah that's Um, what i'm saying like even even her turn against her like full-on turn against dolores if we're like giving the writing a benefit of a doubt um, it just seems like an excuse for her to like attack someone almost because she should also understand that the two Dolores, the two consciousness are different. This Dolores and the other Dolores that she was was speaking to like would have different views on things. And but yeah, like uh, I guess in general, I'd have to say that it doesn't seem like a solid enough excuse for like how hard she's going. Right, but the then, lengths that she's going to to to, yeah. to beat someone that's trying to legitimately do what she thinks she can do to save her race. Yeah. Right. Versus, I need to save my not daughter. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they should be on the same side. Yes. Which is why I felt like it was like a very Captain America versus Iron Man thing, because it's like, ultimately, like, you're the same, but you just have, like, kind of two different approaches to, like, thinking about things. But I guess could that just be like who Maeve as a personality is like she just hardcore latches onto things and like uses that to like stoke the fire of like violence or like wanting to like just attack something. She was always kind of hardcore. What do you think, Derek? I'm so with Paul on the fact that like this last episode right before they were about to fight, Maeve says the whole comment about like Dolores is all talking about saving yeah like you said saving the race and saving their people and saving them from extinction and then she just jumps in with like oh you were gonna sacrifice my daughter or you're trying to keep me from going to meet her or you're in control of me being able to see her or something i'm like you know all that was just part of the park and it's not real like <laughs> <laughs> right even if she wanted to be with her daughter because I, I, I really think that's still a lot of her motivation is she is because technically her daughter is still with us. Like they just went to that, you know, other world or whatever you want to call it. Other. Uh, it's just a simulation. World. It's just another it's just simulation to keep their their robot minds busy. Even if she believes in all that, I don't understand any of her motivation to fight Dolores to keep that around. Like by killing Dolores, I don't see how she's going to get any access better to that world or like her and her daughter are going to be any safer or like. I don't understand how she benefits from disrupting Dolores's plan to benefit her getting her daughter back. That's what I don't get. Yeah, I think it has to do with Ciroc. I think if Dolores is successful, then somehow Ciroc goes down and, and then somehow that then takes down Delos and, and the computer that's running that simulation. I guess it's all kind of connected. Whereas if she can keep Sarak happy and in power, then he'll just he'll keep the lights on. <laughs> for May, if that is the case, then I will go with that, and that makes total sense. Because yeah, maybe if Dolores wins, then the part goes away, and then she loses her daughter. I think so. Maybe now I can start to see like why Maeve would be considered the pawn in the titular past pawn title of the episode because she does feel like Sarak's pawn. I guess like she's yeah. totally just charging forward. Not thinking about anything, which is kind of unfortunate for who Maeve is, because ironically she can control, like, she has so much power herself that uh, she just doesn't have the agency to do anything with it. But then that she's doing, like, the her stuff in uh, Jakarta, there was, like, that whole scene in Jakarta where we finally got to see Clementine again, which was pretty cool. And she got to beat some people up, and we also got to see um, Hanario uh, from the Samurai world, which was fun, yeah. too. I kind of wish Maeve had more agency in um, in what she was doing with her with her stuff, but uh, it it does just seem to be Dolores versus The Rock right now. I was going to ask you guys about that. What that scene? Because I didn't really understand it. Since you guys watched these two shows pretty much back to back, maybe separated by a day or an hour or whatever, didn't it seem like we were missing a scene where Hale and Maeve come to some understanding or something. Yeah. With the scene that you're talking about with Musashi and, and him getting <laughs> that wicked, I've never seen that, that sword move. Yeah, that was badass. I've never seen anything like that. But yeah, that was very badass. <laughs> it's like it's like she just went around his spine all the way, yep. <laughs> and then just completely severed his torso. That's that was so fucking crazy. Yeah. But those hosts were acting, I think, on Serac's orders. But then at oh, the I saw, saw it as Maeve's orders. Were they? Well, you think Maeve, so? Uh, so? I guess that would be technically Serac via Maeve, though. Because in the last episode, he said he was going to give her the power to do what needs to be done. Yeah, so he was printing new hosts. Hector, right. Hector was killed. Hector was killed. And the other two, I guess, made it. But then at the end, before the, the, big, the big drone shows up with Maeve in it, uh, Hale gives a call. Yeah. And so that implies that they're in cahoots. And I just really would have wanted to see that moment because she's still Dolores in some right. ways. Yeah. That's what, that's where I was confused because she was saying, oh, well, what did she say? Like, she's sacrificed us all or whatever. She's already hung us all out to dry or whatever the hell she says. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought you were part of Dolores' plan. And now she's basically like sounding like a bitter employee. <laughs> At the end of the previous episode, she basically figures out that, you know, when she's going to leave with her family, that's the moment when she breaks from her Dolorousness. Right. And then getting blown up, that pretty much just iced it for her. 
<laughs> no, but it, it's but, like but the Rick's a, turning against Rick. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like I could, I'm with you in the sense of like I pieced all that together, but I would have liked a scene also too to like yeah make it make it more like we can we can say like okay this happened then this happened this happened, but I still would have liked that little five minute scene where like it kind of was like more clear. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that that Hale would be so on the team that she'd be the one to get to call Dolores. <laughs> <laughs> and taunt her before Maeve shows up. I mean, uh, I just feel like I was missing something there. Yeah. I, I just don't understand why was what was the point of killing Takashi though? I don't even understand the point. Like he wasn't even doing anything at this point, is he? He's like he's not even there. He's off doing well, whatever he's doing. But he was still on plan. He was still Dolorising whatever needed to be done on that side of the world. So they're just trying to take out all of her, you know, sub Dolores people. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I can go with that. That makes sense. It was such a random throw-in. Like, I like how it was a good way to start off the episode, and like, it was something fun. But it was such, it was kind of displaced continuity-wise. I'm just like, wait, what? Like, why is this happening? Wait, where? <laughs> yeah. I guess I had that Rick and Morty analogy in my head, so it helped me piece it together. <laughs> well, like, see, I don't have that. See. <laughs> well, you're only a week away from more Rick and Morty. So. Yes. I'm excited. I will say that one thing that's fun about this show versus anything else is it's really cool how they can bring characters back or slash actors back that we like. And it's so easy because it's like, well, we just rebuilt them <laughs> and they're back. Yeah. And that's all they have to do to explain it. And we buy it immediately because it makes sense. So it's really fun. Yeah. Either they rebuilt them or they're part of an AR therapy and then we got to finally see them in like a flashback or something or whatever they were doing in the last episode to Ed Harris's character where he had to go to a group counseling session with him and all the other versions of him throughout his life. Yeah, we got to see Jimmy Simpson again, which was awesome. Yeah. Even though it's going all the way back to 2019, when I was able to speak to him at ATX for his new show, I had to ask him before I let him go. I said, I have to ask you. And he's like, OK, I'm like, are you coming back for season three? And he's like, no. And I'm like, he's like, he's like, I'm, I'm done. That's it. I'm like, okay. And now I just want to say liar. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want the truth though? Cause it was a fun surprise. I still want to call him a liar. And honestly, maybe he didn't know. Cause that was over a year ago. Maybe he didn't know at that point. They easily could have shot between now and then, but I still want to call him a liar. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, I was going to ask you guys. So all these pieces are in play now. What do you think Ed Harris's character has? Where do, you, where do you think that's all going? Because the, the, there's a whole Ciroc versus Dolores. Do you think Dolores put Bernard in play and then that plan is like getting undermined by apparently getting taken back over by Ed Harris's character? Like, well, where's that all going? That's a great question. I mean, in some ways, she, Dolores, she put Bernard in play herself, right? Mm -hmm. To be this sort of check and balance for her, even though that was very roughly defined what that would look like. Yeah. And then she sticks Ed Harris in the facility to receive the same AR therapy that Caleb got, which, by the way, they admit only works 10% of the time. Right. Yeah. Doesn't seem like they're done working on that therapy, does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, definitely not. All those things together make it seem like there's some intentionality there. She may not have known how it was going to play out, but, but she knew that having those pieces there meant that maybe there'd be a second chance for her in some way. I'm not sure what, because now Ed Harris says that he wants to get rid of all hosts everywhere all the time. And that preview for next week where he's cocking the shotgun looks a lot like, to me, he just shot Stubbs with it. <laughs> that's that's, that's <laughs> my Stubbs. guess. Yeah. Which is even sadder because when Ed Harris like has that decree and he's like, you better kill me now because I'm going to kill you guys later. I promise you. And Bernard's like, we probably need him. And Stubbs is like, oh, fuck. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. That just makes that all so much more of a bummer for Stubbs because he's like, he knows what's going to happen. Yeah. When I saw him cock that shotgun, I was like, yeah, well, I mean, there's only one of those two guys that's expendable <laughs> story-wise, right? Right. So. But yeah. then again, they could always just take the brain balls out. And uh, if it is Bernard, put it in something else, I guess. There you go. There you go. The thing going, Paul, with what you were kind of saying is that 
I'm wondering about the whole thing with Ed Harris's character because she put him in that facility and, you know, at the end of that episode, she, you could tell she was very glad to put him there because, you know, she sees him as the whole reason for a lot of her pain and a lot of all the crap that she went through, um, if not all of it. And when, when, you know, her whole like plan came together, like, you know, like, like she was able to rejoice, like, okay, I put him away and stuff. And everything. So I don't think she had any intention of him getting out. I think that is a, it's completely not part of her plan. Oh, so you yeah, think th- this is all um, off script? <laughs> yeah, all like right. I think the whole thing with Bernard and what he's doing is whatever she planned with him, but I don't think she ever took into account of him breaking Ed Harris's character out. Well, a big quote in this episode was said by Solomon, right? He was like, you can't ever plan 100%. Like, there's always going to be variables and outliers. No, but I'm just saying with Paul saying, like, what do you think his role is going to be going forward? It's like, I think this is going to mess up her role, like, because she didn't plan for him to get out. It, which is crazy, though, because it's like now you have, like, competing Doloreses. And one Dolores didn't plan for him to get out. But then another one wanted Bernard out there in the world. And then Bernard is out there. And then this was Bernard's intention almost. Or was it? So it's kind of like part of a plan or like it's on some pathway that she kind of foresaw or was expecting. Do you guys play role playing games? Uh, no. no, not tabletop, uh, just video. Games. All right. Well, in the tabletop world, some games have a mechanism that allows for a completely random event that takes place whenever you roll the dice. Right. And it could be like using a deck of cards or, or something like that. And it's just meant to make things chaotic, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Just, like, stir shit up, see what happens. Maybe it'll be good, maybe it'll be bad. Who who knows? That almost seems like the Ed Harris thing, because if she put him in to that place, the AR therapy place, then she also knew that it was her intention to basically crash the entire world, right? Yes. So how... Could she reasonably expect him to to have already got his brain fried in the in, you know the week that it took her to, to do that? If she's had enough foresight to know all this other shit, then she should have expected Ed Harris to come back around after that. Oh yeah, that's true. Just a guess. That's true. Maybe she just never thought he'd get out. I mean, maybe she he, she didn't think he would get the therapy, but maybe she just thought he'd be locked up and you know just sitting there suffering. Well, didn't either Stubbs or Bernard say something to the effect that basically everyone else there was dead? Yes. Well, they said half the staff had left. Okay. That that, that was what the those two people, when they were doing the therapy to him, they said, oh, half the staff has already left. So we know that they're already at a loss. And then when they show them leaving and there's people you know, laying dead and there's stuff all over the ground and stuff, it's like you can tell that it's escalated and basically the place has gone batshit crazy. Yeah. I mean, maybe the moral of this whole thing is going to be that anyone that tries to control anything is wrong, and it's going to be these like outliers like Ed Harris and uh, whatever, hopefully Terminator Dolores, Charlotte Hale Dolores is <laughs> Terminator doing. Dolores, I like, like it. Maybe these are going to even everything out and bring things back to a, some sort of status quo. The whole thing is like uh, control is always bad, you know, and like people are con- trying to control hosts trying to control humans and like have a plan for people and like all these idealistic things are always at their core like somehow somehow like evil so maybe like these things that are out of control are meant to be the things that save us in the end hopefully so maybe that's like bernard being out of control and not being specifically guided and then like ed harris like kind of being out of people's control maybe those things are meant to like prevail over the other sides of like because it basically is like the world now is Westworld, but for humans, like there is a matrix being provided by the Merovingian himself. <laughs> uh, so like maybe the like the the thing is out of control. Paul, I was going to ask, um, hmm. I don't play tabletop stuff, but I do like to try to think of things in the, the D&D alignment. Um, are, uh, do you have any idea? Like what, what are your ideas? Like is Dolores like chaotic neutral is like uh what what what, where do you have everyone on alignment that's a great question you need you probably need some real D &D scholar to come up with a good answer (laughs) for for that because you could see you could you you could argue elements of all the alignments for for her motivations right yeah because they all come from some different place um whether there's an altruistic part to wanting to free her people or if there's the sadistic part that seems to enjoy hurting people 
you know, that doesn't happen so much this season, but it definitely did last season. Right. Yeah, I think you uh, could you could you could make a case for at least three or four of of the of the main alignments. Do you think that's what they're going to plan on doing with all the different Dolores? I guess there's only two Doloreses in play now. Is that correct, guys? Well, it's uh, uh, killed Musashi. Yeah, Hale isn't Hale's, isn't yeah she's an independent operator now. Yeah. Uh, oh, and yeah, what's his face is gone too. Irish boy's gone. Uh, right. And Prime Dolores uh, got EMP'd. Is that death or is that just a fainting? Do you think? That is a great question because what we know about EMPs as they exist today would be that they, they fry circuitry as we know it right now in 2020, right? That's why it'd be so devastating is it would take out all different kinds of the common circuits that we use in everyday life. However, brain balls, they don't look like anything we have right now, you know, True. technologically. So are they susceptible to EMPs? I give you the shoulder shrug emoji. <laughs> <laughs> also, wouldn't that be like, if that, if that was a precaution for Solomon, wouldn't, shouldn't it have been a precaution of at Westworld for Delos, right? For them to like, oh, if there's an uprising, let's hit the EMP button and shut down all the hosts, right? Boy, didn't that... they use that once? Hindsight's twenty twenty on that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I thought they used that once. No, at Delos, didn't they? Wasn't there something at, at, during season one or two where they they pushed a button or they did something and all the hosts just crashed? I don't recall that. I, I don't think that was EMP. I think if anything, if that happened, it was just like a, a system thing. Yeah, I think like whatever. Right. Do you know what I'm talking about? I swear there was a scene where that happened, where they did something and they all just like fell. Well, I mean, um, Ford had like God mode control just by like gestures and his voice. Like he, right. could, yeah. he could shut shit down like Magneto style, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, more like Professor X style. Um, uh, just anywhere he went at will. But it was all built into the system that he was God mode. Right. Damn it. I hate these things where like, damn it, I, would, I, I wish I had time for a rewatch. Yeah. Just had a <laughs> spare 20 hours to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to grind all um, back through. I want to throw it at you guys, though. I had one thing that was bugging me a lot. So the whole plan that they have with Caleb's character that we're given is that he get, went out there to, I guess, essentially hunt down the subjects that they wanted to put down or incarcerate, right? Mm -hmm. What was the reasoning, though, behind when he finally, him and his partner, quote-unquote, try to assassinate each other? Were they done with the hunting then, or was it just a scenario the computer wanted to see play out? Like, why, why were they finally then done with his character to where they wanted him eliminated? Some kind of device in the facility they were in whether it was one of their phones or a camera or some something picked up on the fact that they talked to the captive and then all of a sudden that that meant that they became expendable at that point um because of the stuff he was telling them it because they were self-aware <laughs> essentially yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so that that's why they got the offers to kill each other was uh you know it's kind of uh it's like the, when the joker says we're having tryouts <laughs> tonight <laughs> well no that totally makes sense then okay yeah that was that was the only thing that confused <laughs> me because I, I was wondering why they just all of a sudden they didn't have a use for him anymore and they had put all this work into him Derek, I have to point out how dark it is that you called two human characters self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You aren't wrong. It's totally like an apt description, but it's just like it's so it's 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 it just points out the dystopia that they created in Westworld. Which um, I have to do make sure and really quickly throw out too, because we talked about actually last time that we were on this podcast. So I know Paul will know it. Paul, did you see the nice little Veronica Mars throwback there? Uh, I mean, I know that that's Keith Mars. Yeah, exactly. Also, he was the he had the Jonathan Nolan link because he was Elias, which was a big henchman villain character on Person of Interest. Uh -huh. So they already have a past history. Interesting. I did not realize that. Yeah, he was a main character for like three seasons, four seasons on that show. He was a very big character. I have so they already have. I have uh, friends who, whose taste I trust that tell me I should have watched Person of Interest when it was on. Not to go on a tangent, but that show was really weird because the first season was boring as hell 
and it was like a totally like regular show and you're like eh like a procedural right because it was on cbs yeah yeah it was it was a very much a procedural and it had a uh, great talent though with emerson and caviezel ben linus as jesus and ben linus in the same show yeah <laughs> um mike what's her name the girl from empire taraji p henson there we go and she was fantastic i just you had all these great actors but the show was just like eh and then around like the second season, they started developing it. And then by the third season, it went totally different. They totally developed everything. And the, they got this crazy story. And like, you know, I don't even want to go into it, but it just like it metamorphosed amazingly. And then all of a sudden the show was fantastic for like at least probably third through sixth season. And then they kind of got off the rails. But there was a good two or three years when the show was really good. I heard on a podcast someone come up with a theory that the third season of television is always the best one in any show. Do you guys feel that way right now about Westworld? Mm. This season is I more really approachable. Like the first one. Yeah, I think the first season for this series is the classic one that everyone's going to look at and be like, that redefined the television narrative. <laughs> you yes, know? I agree. Whereas this season is just... If you had a friend that thought they might like Westworld, but they hadn't watched it yet, you could have them start watching this season and kind of explain some shit as they went along, and they'd get it. Yeah. You, not so much last season. No. <laughs> I, I just continue. I think I mentioned this on the last episode we did. Is I just give this show so much credit that for any show to be able to jump what it's safe in or what it's established in and to jump it and still be able to keep going successfully is a massive, huge feat, and I think they, they've done it. Yes. You're saying they landed they landed the jumping the shark. Well, no, the, no, cuz the show never jumped the shark. It's just they shifted like, you know, the location. They got rid of half the characters. Like the story's a lot different. Like to be able to do that successfully is very hard. There's not many shows that do it and the, a lot of them that do do it fail at it. Yeah, I think your podcast might be full of shit. <laughs> do you know what shows it was citing? No. Uh I I I feel like a lot of comedies were examples though. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that I'm talking about? No, uh, that the that the theory that I heard that oh, the third season oh. was always the best. That that could be true with sitcoms, actually. I just I haven't watched a lot of sitcoms of late. If I I mean these days, if I if I choose to watch a sitcom, it's a very small pool, and it's stuff I've already seen. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm a I watch Seinfeld like crazy or um you know the simpsons or some, something something nice and comfortable you know friends didn't start getting good for me until about three or four that's me personally i know a lot of people would disagree with me but i thought the first couple of seasons of friends was not very good it got a lot better later on yeah it was i know what you're talking about they got rid of the monkey they uh started some of the uh inter-friend romance a little more heavily and so it got a little more must-see tv at that point yeah the first season of Westworld was very iconic and great, but this one is kind of the most unpredictable. This season's approachable, and it's got its its pluses, but it, I mean, unless something happens next episode that'll just, just you know, smack you upside the head, they didn't do what they did the first... You can't do what you did the first season. They completely subverted expectation, you know, with the multiple timelines, all that stuff. <laughs> I've actually been kind of looking for that kind of thing, whether it's multiple realities or right. whatnot. I don't think there's any amount of time jumping at this point. I don't think so either. And I thought there, besides I thought the, there was. Besides the memories, I guess, maybe that's yeah. their big play this season is the the fake memories. The fake memories, yeah. It makes you even kind of wonder if if that's his mom at the beginning or if he's just kind of been conditioned to think that's his mom and he goes and sees her and she's like, where's my son? And and she's actually literally asking. <laughs> you know? Oh, oh wow. when he gets abandoned in the restaurant? Yeah. Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. Oh, my God. What if that's not his mom in the hospital right I, I i'm kind of doubting it is that's insane i don't want to make any more predictions because the last time i was on the show the the bold prediction i made was like severely wrong by the next episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i don't think any of us were right on that one no none of us were it's a hard show to predict for me yes that's the best part oh for sure that's why i look forward to this show i mean I, i'm interested to see before we got on online uh, mike derrick was saying that he found an article saying something like the renewal brings with it a harder reboot is that still true derrick oh i know i never found it because then mike got on <laughs> Have you heard anything about the uh, the renewal, uh, Mike? For season four? Yes. Well, it got renewed for three more yeah, seasons. Yeah, four, four five, that. and six. Oh, wow. 
I didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It came just earlier this. No, I guess there's nothing earlier this week since it's Monday. <laughs> yeah, I think it came out the Monday after the last episode. So you're saying that the now that there's three more seasons, they like are they're gonna have to like find some way to bring everything back down or something? Well, no, I saw because I I did my you know typical because I post so much and did my lazy way is this. Um, oh, you only read the headline. <laughs> yeah, I but I found an article that said in the headline that it got renewed for three more seasons but that they were going to do it as a reboot so not so of course it would have been smarter for me to of course read the hard article to explain it more but i was telling paul this because in the sense of like i think they're going to be after this season i think we might be done with these characters and they're going to go four five and six are going to start over but like i said i was lazy and i didn't do that i mean i don't see how they would unless they're like gonna give us the worst cliffhanger of all time it seems like they're gonna wrap up the 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 conflicts that they've set up in this season in this season unless maybe ed, like these weird variables like ed harris and uh and charlotte are yeah charlotte may or dolores um unless those are like hints at future storylines it seems like everything's going to come to a finality right the boss matchup that we have with dolores and Sirac, they're like standing on opposite ends of a seesaw right one right. one will do it ever, anything to perpetuate man one will do anything to per- perpetuate host so i don't know how you go from a season where th- that is your your you know your big boss that you're trying to take down where do you go after that <laughs> yeah yeah, because you're basically like, oh, this is humanity. Like it's, yeah, totally. It's a, it's just, it's the long game playing played out so fast. So maybe you know, maybe there will be some other thing. Like maybe we get past this, and then the, like what you were saying about Hale, perhaps being the Dolores it, that takes over, but she has a different mission. You know, she's sort of got more of the Professor X mission. She wants to coexist with humanity rather, <laughs> rather right. maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, she, she did find some humans that she liked. That's true. Yeah, that is true. And they were killed. Right, <laughs> right, right. That's, I mean, she's sort of like a mix of, uh, of Maeve and Dolores that way. Except, you know, her daughter was a much closer, sorry, her, her son was much closer to being real than, than Maeve's daughter. Right. Yeah, that is very true. HBO puts the big stuff in the next to last episode. So that was some, that's why we got the big explanations, the arm blowing action <laughs> of last night's episode. Right. Wow. Well, that's what a stellar episode coming up. Who do you think lives? Who do you think dies next week? Um, it'd be fun to see just everyone die. <laughs> just, uh, just hit the reset button. If- if they're gonna have to do this reboot or whatever in all actuality i think i thought we were gonna come to a a whole like rock is thanos and then dolores and mave come together to fight him oh interesting but i don't think that's the case anymore after watching that was like that was my prediction going into this episode but at, at the end of this episode i have no idea I can't even guess at what's going to happen. I do feel like Sorak has to have some sort of comeuppance for what he's doing. Sci-fi that says something always has like dour endings. So we're on uncharted territory this time because it, it feels like season one and season two were always exciting because you knew what was going to happen. But seeing it happen is like was crazy. This is the first season where it's just like, oh, this is kind of like looking into like a weird future or like a weird timeline where you just don't know the ending. I mean, this whole season has been spent building up Caleb. I mean, I got to think that he makes it. I think Hale makes it. For some reason, I think Bernard will make it. Everyone loves Bernard. I think Ed Harris still makes it. But then I don't think anybody else after that. I don't, th- I don't think Ciroc. I don't think Blonde Dolores. I don't think Stubbs. The cast isn't that big this year, but <laughs> but I don't think there's anybody else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think Stubbs has got gone or from minute one on next episode like at least minute one we, when we see him <laughs> right very short fuse for stubs <laughs> what do you think derek the only thing um that i found so far is that lisa joy and nolan have said that the show is in their heads five years oh okay. they already have it planned out but it's not saying if it's rebooted i can't find if it's rebooted or they're going to keep with this or not it seems like they're already know what they're doing that makes me have faith in it instead of them just being like well you know uh yeah it's season four sure yeah let's do that like so that's nice that they already have a plan you like to go into these kinds of complicated twisting narratives or at least believing that the creators have a roadmap 
and where you know where they want to end up and the message they want to say rather than well we'll take it season by season we'll see what happens that's a less thrilling approach i i think with the whole way it's going with the two forces or whatever two sides going against each other you know we've left the park and she's been on her mission to get her revenge and everything like i i really don't see how her story can continue after this because whether she wins or loses i think if she loses then she's gone and if she wins then she's going to be at peace yeah, they, I think they could find a way to bring Bernard back or Hale back because they have other things they could do with them. But I think Dolores' story is going to be done. Narratively, Dolores, they've, they've kind of boxed in Dolores' character, right, into the whatever three-dimensionality she had in the previous seasons. She's She's not so much now, whereas Hale has a lot of different layers now. She's got the Dolores layers, and then she's got the Hale layers and then she's got where those things mixed up and then she's got those experiences she went through you know kind of reconciling where fit into Loris's plan and when she figured out that she didn't want to do that anymore and all that kind of stuff and so all of a sudden Hale is a much more interesting character to continue with than the original Dolores yeah I was just thinking that I hope Tessa Thompson is getting paid more than everyone because she's having to do the most work (laughs) as far as like the amount of dimensions and layers her character is going through right now. Um, Everyone seems to be getting to have fun, especially Ed Harris and um, almost everyone else gets to play like a fun part, but like Tessa Thompson has to like reach in to play like two different personalities, like a personality that someone already has, but like deviating from that while also like being her own character while playing like, while pretending to be another person entirely, like it's just a lot for her. But she's she's very capable, you know. We've yeah, seen, she's doing it very well. Seen her in all different kinds of roles, and and she's played all different kinds of characters and accents. And <laughs> so now that we're now that we're talking about it, now that we're kind of sussing it out, kind of plotting for our own. If if we were writing the next season, <laughs> starting starting yeah. from last night's episode, where it would end up, it's, it seems like Hale would be our main instrument moving forward. Not not Blonde Dolores so much, right? Or or that personality, if anything. I don't know if you guys know this at all, and I've talked about like my massive love for him as an actor, but they've credited Jonathan Tucker in the guest list part for the last two episodes and I have not seen him and I cannot find him and it bugs the crap out of me. Wasn't he, he was a uh, confederado major, right? That's what it says. But yeah, like it lists his character name and I'm like, I don't see him. He was in one of Ed Harris's moments last week. He like came and got him from his hospital room and he recognized him. I think it's for group therapy. Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I totally missed that. Well, I guess he's coming back next episode then. He's very subtle. <laughs> no, but yeah, he was. But they said he's in this episode too, and I did not I see didn't him. I see him in this one. He might have been cut out. He might have shot stuff for this episode preliminarily and then was just cut out. That's what I'm wondering. I wonder wonder how that works for like credit and payment and all that stuff. Like even if you shot something and it ends up on the cutting room floor, do they still have to give you credit in the credits? Probably. I guess because that that is the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe IMDb is just wrong. Or the credits are just wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was saying it says at the end of the of the Westworld credits, not just oh, IMDb. It says okay. IMDb on both. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I, I normally would not be this annoyed so much, but it's just because I like him so much. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I don't remember to remember him from last night's episode, but yeah, two last week I do remember that. Well, do you guys have any parting thoughts or anything you want to say about this season or your expectations for the finale before we part ways for the evening? Uh, I'm gonna miss it. Like I always do. <laughs> um, I, I think they've done a good job, even though it normally goes 10. I think this one, obviously, we're going to have to see. But I kind of feel like they are wrapping it up. Like, it, I'm glad they're not trying to go longer than they need to. Uh, I feel that they've already given us a lot with less characters to deal with. And I think it's easier for them to do it quicker and with less episodes. Considering she already hit the button and the world's already, quote unquote, in chaos. I mean, how long are you going to milk the world in chaos? So um, I'm kind of glad that they're wrapping up as they are, although I don't know how the hell they're going to finish everything in one hour, but I'm obviously they know what they're doing. But yeah, I, I've really enjoyed the fact that they've been able to jump worlds and keep the majority of the characters and even just have little guest spots for give us nostalgia with the ones we lost. 
you know, this wouldn't be my favorite season, but I like that it's still continuing and it's not like one of those like, oh, well, I just wish they would have stopped with two, you know? <laughs> I'm a fan of the season in a different way uh, than I was the last couple seasons. This is like fulfilling like a blockbuster movie appetite that I can't get fulfilled at the movies anymore. As far as like an action sci-fi story. I would say that like two had probably my favorite like artfully done episodes season two did especially Lisa Joy's directorial debut was I I think was like one of my favorite episodes of like sci-fi television in general and season one was just like hit it out of the park and like you said Paul iconic Uh, this one is it's just more fun and exciting Uh, I I do feel like there were like bigger missteps in the season tonally and like how it came off like I wasn't a big fan of the genre episode well parts of the genre episode as I wanted to be but I I am really excited that I don't know what's I truly have like no predictions or anything going into the last episode of the season I didn't even know it was the last episode of the season so uh, I'm really excited to see what they say, but uh, I, I guess it's like I can't really reserve judgment on like how great I think this season is until I see what the resolution is and what they're trying to like, what the story like eventually ends up like saying in general. But it's exciting. Uh, another thing I like about like that I don't really talk about is like me and my sister, we watch this show together and we really love to figure out where in LA they're shooting. Her more so than me, but I, I think it's fun too. Um, and this had a lot more Easter eggs of like, oh, where is that? Where is that? Like, I'm pretty sure that was in Mexico. I'm pretty sure that was like acting right by where I live. So um, that was kind of fun. And uh, yeah, that's uh, cool. Overall, it's been a fun season, and uh, I can't wait. I really can't wait to see how it wraps up. But it's, it's very different from what it started as, and it's kind of jarring in that sense. But I'm still enjoying it nonetheless. Yeah, it is filling a gap, right? You know, with no movies coming out right now. Yeah, or very limited uh, options going directly to video that were meant to be theatrical release. (laughs) I'll tell you that Black Widow was probably one of my lowest interest Marvel movies. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I cannot wait to see (laughs) Black Widow. Yeah, because you just want to see something, right? Yes, exactly right. (laughs) But this has been filling in that theatrically great action that you don't usually see on TV. This has been filling that need for me as well. Not quite as much of a a brain bender as previous seasons, but, you know, that's okay, too. Yeah. The fact that I can watch these episodes and figure out what's going on, I I don't feel so badly (laughs) No, it's like, yeah, you want to figure it out. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I've been pretty much been able to go with it. The only one I couldn't figure out was five, and I had to go to Mike. I'm like, Mike, I'm so confused. I just, I don't understand what's going on. (laughs) Well, then I guess we will all be watching next week when the finale plays. My partners, Caroline and Mike, will pick up that episode, and uh, I'm not sure who the host will be that week. So that means the Geekdom Fancast is off the hook for next week. And maybe on the hook for future episodes, maybe even a Rick and Morty uh, discussion. Who knows? I'm already down. (laughs) (laughs) You really had to twist his arm and convince him, Paul. He fought you hard, but you won. Have you seen that Justin Roiland has another show coming out? The same weekend, yeah. I can't wait for that either. We're not here to talk about Justin Roiland and his show, though. We're here to talk about. (laughs) Hey, you're you're prefacing your your next podcast. It's fine. Can well, I preface our next episode? Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's do that again. This has been Mike and Derek with the Geekdom Fancast, and let's let's hear all your uh, all your self promotional <laughs> statements at this point. <laughs> well, you can find the Geekdom Fancast anywhere you're finding listening to us now, for the most part, unless you're also on Stitcher. Uh, we're in, that's like the one that we we haven't been able to get on, but um. Any podcast app, Spotify included, or at thegeekdomfancast.com if you're just old school and you want to listen to us on your browser. Uh, but I was going to say that uh, our, we, we've had past guests uh, come to us and request. Uh, we're gonna, we'll be doing like a full season wrap-up slash finale wrap-up of Westworld uh, on the Geekdom Fancast uh, at the nice. request of a guest that Derek had to basically forced to watch Westworld in the first place. And now he. Oh, I'm going to let him have it. Yeah. And now he demanded uh, us do a season three wrap up. So uh, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's going to be our next episode, but it's going to be in a future episode. So yeah, check us out, uh, the Geekdom Fancast um, on on Twitter and Instagram also. And we'll let you know uh, when when that's dropping. 
I broke him down. It took me three years, but he fucking succumbed. I won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, it was insane that he didn't watch it in the first place, but uh... no, it was insane what he was watching in place of it and trying to justify <laughs> these like, oh, well, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, no, just stop with your legends of tomorrow and watch Westworld. <laughs> That's funny. And right. thank you again for having us. This is always fun. We don't get to do this on our podcast, really, uh, like episode recaps, because we always talk about like full movies or full seasons. So it's cool to talk about like just an episode of a television show. Well, thanks for making the time. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it was a pleasure having you guys. Um, thanks for joining me even twice to do this. It's been my honor. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, this has been Paul with Pod Clubhouse. This has been Mike with the Geekdom Fancast. And this is Derek with the Geekdom Fancast. And we'll <laughs> catch you guys on another, another episode. See you guys later. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.